Welcome to Assembly Required, brought to you by Vault Games here in sunny Brisbane. As always, today I am joined by Jess. Hello. And Dom. Hi there. Uh, and today we've got a few things to cover. We're looking at the, some of the new Codex stuff that came out for 40k, uh, and we're going to have a look at some crowdfunding campaigns. Uh, so let's uh, start off with brand new 40k, guys. Um, we actually... We actually just finished up having a massive game today. Uh, oh yeah, massive! Xenos vs. Imperium. That was that was seven hours of our lives. We're not getting back. Um, <laughs> oh, worth it! Oh, absolutely <laughs> worth it. Um, an imperial, an imperial knight doing more damage than it could possibly do just by blowing up. Oh, what, um, twenty-eight oh, yes. mortal wounds. Twenty-nine Jeez. mortal wounds. Yeah. Brilliant suicide charge. Totally doable. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but let's let's talk about the crux of, of what we experienced today. Really, was the fact that um, Space Marines and Grey Knights did have the latest Codex out, uh, while much mm -hmm. of the Team Xenos was left with uh, just the indexes. So, uh, Dom, obviously you're the big uh, Grey Knights and Space Marines man. You're also on Team Imperium. Um, yep. What uh, how, what was your general feeling of how the Codex and the design, the rules design, came out with them? Definitely uh, a lot of new things added by the uh, the actual codexes instead of the indices, which is good. A lot of the problems I mentioned earlier on that had come up, uh, I've always a little bit of flavor that had disappeared, are uh, coming back, and I'm actually quite happy with how they are. Uh, some of the basic stuff, you know, each codex, you're, you're getting a whole set of uh, six extra warlord traits, uh, sometimes more, in the case of the uh, codex marines, because they're also targeting, you know, your, your sub-chapters that aren't getting their own codex. Uh, full six psychic powers is good. That three they had to begin with was quite limiting, well, flavorful, but the full six is filling in those gaps. And at the moment, my favorite thing is those relic weapons being back. The uh, relic weapons that went and killed your warlord in that counterattack. Yes, they were. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, not even getting into the whole uh, the, the the chapter tactic tactics, all those little bonuses. The Grey Knights one, for example, you're getting a plus one on uh, all psychic and deny tests. That nice little buff that makes it really easy to churn oh. out, which churn out, which they're low level spells. That was amazing. The amount of extra value you got from that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what some of the other codexes are getting out, even the ones that don't affect me, like the Nids and the Orcs. Obviously, I want to see the Guard, but that definitely gave us a little bit of an edge that was uh, quite helpful along the, the lines of a big battle where pretty much all of our side was benefiting from that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's one thing for me that I kind of really noticed too, is like being on the receiving mm -hmm. end of that. Obviously, the Tyranids, they played exactly how Tyranids play, run fast, go eat things. Um, but... A lot of, um, a, like, those chapter tactics being able, especially the Iron Hands guy, um, or the remove cover saves from the Imperial Fists, um, those chapters... very, very underrated so far. Yeah. Underestimated, I'd say. Yeah, underestimated, absolutely. The, the chapter tactics really kind of helped hold the line during that charge, um, th that, that original first mm -hmm. two turns of absolute chaos, um... And ultimately, like, I, I mean, I don't want to go blaming a loss on anything, really, but let, let's get rid of it. Jess and I, we really, we lost because we, we're just not the ones with updated codexes. Oh, Isn't okay. that right? Straight up, you, 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 you won on points. We won. We, so, we lost. 
we lost by running out of time, we probably could have pushed it. But no, you're, so your team doing quite good at focusing on objectives. We did when we focused. I missed one near the, near the end. Uh, early on when we were mowing down your gene stealers, our team had missed a couple when we meant to leave some for the assault phase. Just like one or two to mow up, but someone finished them off. But um, your team was pretty accurate at you knowing what your objectives are and keeping on top of them. Yeah, and, and that's... We had that one character hunting witch hunt, which was beautiful. But... Uh... <sighs> Yeah, the, um, that, that's one thing we should also say is that the, the big game that we had only went for three full turns. Um, it was, uh, was it Maelstrom of War uh, mission? Yep, uh, Cloak and Shadows. Cloak and Shadows, so we had to have hidden objective, tactical objective cards. Um, we did play to those tactical objectives in Team Xenos, but the reason why I'm saying the Imperium won because it's really, we ended at turn three due to time, uh, and at that point, Xenos, Team Xenos did not have a lot left on the board. So, yeah, it was you know. right after that make or break moment, your big things hit our line and either we were going to break or you were going to break us and we just managed to hold true and launch a pretty effective counterattack with units we'd been holding oh, back all yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. those bloody, yeah. you know, two up and three up invuns with all those uh, extra Grey Knight specialties. Mm. Oh, those Grey Knights oh. in the far corner, we kept them there ready to teleport them. There was no space on the field, so when we head for the countercharge, there was a lot of monster killing power waiting for you guys. There, there. was. It was good. So yeah, like I like I really feel like having those those chapter tactics and the relic weapons allowed just that little bit of an edge to make it through the major charge, which is oh, what the, yeah. the key to the Tyranids, the Tyranids uh, like and, a Tyranid is, but and and having a look at it, like uh Raven Guard, probably my second I collect Blood Raven, so my two options are uh the uh, Imperial Fist tactics because I like it, or the Raven Guard because they're a little bit more thematic. That might fighting rule, Raven Guard have basically that at twelve inches for most of their army. Could you imagine that combined with a night fighting? Night fighting beyond eight oh. inches they would hit. Neg two to hit at eighteen inches. Orcs, uh, or your, your Tau, your Guardsmen, your Tyranids, all your not super high ballistic skill armies, they're not hitting anything at long range. No, hitting Orcs, orcs are, are your impossible. Line. Yeah. So the Orcs with the fives up wouldn't even be able to shoot you. That's, it's whoa. A, it's an interesting note as well in these new rules that those lower ballistic skill armies are getting really badly hurt by these kind of uh, penalty rules there are for, for the ballistic, which some, are, some Orcs, it's not too bad. You should be assaulting with Orcs anyway. Like, if, if you can't <sighs> shoot... You piss at the piss charge at their face. Uh, and you get close enough, you'll still get those shots off. But if you made an orc down or Garami, maybe you're just not doing it right. <laughs> well, there is, you know, counterpoint. I was talking to Nork earlier, who was our orc player. Um, mm -hmm. He was complaining a little bit that the blast weapons are really not worth their points anymore because with orcs, which just can't hit for yeah. shit anyway, which relied on it scattering onto the rest, like other things. Now their blast weapons yep. don't yeah, get that yeah. scatter; they just flat out miss. So it's like Previously okay. Previously, yeah. those blast summons, you effectively had a five plus to hit with a, the two hit markers, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, still so that, that's all the kind of des the rules design going through on that and, and feeling the, the newer codex. Obviously, it's an improvement over just having the indexes, like those relic weapons, the chapter tactics all mean a lot to codex space marines. I'm yet to take a look through chaos itself yet. I have heard absolutely fantastic things, um, and I plan to get it. I've had a brief peruse. There's, there's some very nice flavor things I've seen in there as well. Uh, one of the, the, the bigger ones was the, how the marks now work. Uh, a lot of them are like psychic powers that you'll activate. I can't remember off the top of my head the difference for the core one and that, but you know, you can get your uh, Mark of Zinch and suddenly get your Thousand Sun Rubric Marines back down to that four plus in one save you used to have. Nice. Mm. Uh, question is if you've had a bit of a peruse, can the Chaos Marines just pull in the demons, like the normal demons these days? Uh, 
I vaguely remember seeing something about demons, uh, or the more the generic line demons, but I can't recall that off the top of my head. It's not where nice. I didn't take that close a look. And realistically, sure when you're trying to make a demon chaos battle forged army, yeah. <laughs> and if you're looking at like a chaos, um, chaos faction anyway, like you might as well just take a vanguard or something of of um, chaos demons as a special detachment. Like it's it's entirely oh, yeah. possible and, to do that. And speaking sure. of detachments, another big thing that came up on our side, we worked very hard to get our battalions the detachments, and that new rule that every uh, force is getting, or it's it's basically the old uh, object, uh, what is it, holding objective special rule. Objective secured, where yes. your troops trump any other unit type except other troops are holding objectives. That came um, pretty key a few points in the game. We're expecting it's happening for every other codex, so we obviously assumed it in that game as well. I think there's been an announcement in an FAQ or something for it. But yeah, on the Warhammer, see that back. Uh, Warhammer uh, community page, they've confirmed it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because we're making the army list at first. It's like, okay, I'm going to take three cheap-ass troops because... I'm going to get those three extra command points by getting the uh, battalion, I think it is. But actually needing troops to hold objectives, I, I like games where they encourage nice, balanced armies, a nice, heavy chunk of backbone of troops to be important and not just, uh, I'm going to take 22, you know, dreadnoughts and march up the field and laugh. <laughs> no, that's that's perfectly fair. Like, we, we suffered a bit there. Our, our main troops were only uh, our Imperial uh, Gene Stealer cult guys. Which are a bit squishy, but yeah, no, it was definitely interesting to see that. Oh, we've been trumped. Oh well. <laughs> Do having everything though available as um, as able to capture objectives and just using the troops to trump for us that worked out quite oh, well yeah. in our favor because that meant we were able to use the Tau players um, Pathfinder, uh, not Pathfinder, Stealth Suit Jump Packs uh, to just absolutely agree quickly grab and take objectives, which we were really happy with. But um, but yeah, again, yes. it, all, it all just came down to to. I mean, I don't want to say who had the newer codex, but it's clear that that there was an advantage uh, to having the codexes. Um, but in saying that, oh, we're going to have to wait to see when everything else drops, um, and we'll start looking at what we're looking at in the way of, of power levels for everyone else. Oh yeah, it'll be exciting to see the kind of like faction-wide nice things that come out of the new decks. Whether or not there's any models as well. Obviously, Marines and Chaos have gotten in love with the Death Guard and the Primaris. I want to see what Orcs have been up to during this whole season. <laughs> yes, that'll be interesting to see because definitely the other army is going to get some more flavor back, maybe some bit power back. You know, like in the smaller games, I don't think these codexes, while they'll add a little bit of an edge, I still think it's perfectly playable just with the index for Xenos and. What else? It's, not. It's still pretty close to balance at this point. I've actually also noticed yeah. when they're bringing out the codexes, they have been adjusting the points as they've been coming out. A lot of smaller bits here and there, but some of the adjustments I've seen are quite nice. They're paying attention to to things that are balanced or disbalanced. I think the plasma uh, primaris marines went down in points a bit because they were way too expensive, at least in power points to begin with. Yeah, the buddy. What is it? Dreadnoughts dropped by forty points. That's pretty damn good. The ironclads. I yeah. Think yeah. Mm-hmm, and I, I love my ironclad. Although I didn't get to too much in this game. <laughs> so so obviously now we're looking at um, a lot of new models have come out with uh, the release of the new Codex and, and leading up to that Codex Space Marines from dropping. Obviously, Primaris is the big key to what G-Dub's pushing at the moment when it comes to Space Marines. Um, obviously, uh, so let's start with the model designs. We've got the new Repulsor, the new Redemptor Dreadnought. We've got the Chaplain, the Apothecary for Primus, the Primaris Captain, the Primaris Librarian. They've got the uh, the new Primaris Aggressors, which pretty much look like they're running in um, in armor that was clearly designed in Mars, for those that have seen some of the uh, Skitari walkers. Um <laughs> 
the Reavers, the whole new pack of Intercessors that you can get. We've got to start. What do you think of the designs? I reckon th- these look stunning. Like the newer, the newer 40k stuff that's been dropping. The new, the new Games Workshop stuff that's been dropping has definitely like just looks absolutely brilliant. Oh, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. I know. Uh, I I feel it's a little bit like last. There are some that I really like. There are some that I know compared to the stuff that's dropping for Age of Sigma. I think the Age of Sigma modeling is much nicer as regards to actual detail and flavor in them. Admittedly, these a lot of these are ultramarines, and ultramarines are you know your your strict regimental dudes, so they can't have a lot of the flavor. But at the same time, I don't know. I do love the reavers. The reavers are cool with their grappling guns. Yeah, and the little Hope there's some cool rules for them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm liking them, and I, like you said, they're built to be able to make the codex, and hopefully you you add the flavor from there. Uh, something I mentioned earlier, and a lot of them also are a bit too posed and hard to uh, uh, customize. Particularly, their st- I used to like you know choosing the stats, my marine health varied and different i could make them back then they have bought a little bit of that back um the bolters there's now three basic bolter types you kind of have your assault bolter or your regular bolter rifle and then your sniper bolter and it's kind of similar for the uh, those plasma guns there's different versions you can get and it very much changes the function of the squad so i do like getting a little bit of that that choice of range and uh tactical variety back because previously the primaris were just it's a five-man squad of the exact same guys. One of them has plus one leadership and attack. He's your sergeant. You get sergeant's melee weapons again. That was a big thing I was mentioning last time. I hate wasting those three attacks. Um, this, the, the, the models themselves are coming out both good and there's a variety there. But yeah, if you really want to, for example, customize them into Space Wolves, you're probably going to need to loot up the hell out of your old Space Wolves pack and you know cover them up with talismans and fetishes and stuff. Get those pelts. Yeah. All those pelts. Make Peter in, uh, a little bit upset at you. Ah, do it. Um, Technically, it's of other people. It's not animals. So, obviously, living in the great land of Oz, uh, pricing is always an issue for us, and uh, it's it's not great. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Those, oh, man. Those jetpack guys, those intercessors especially, I was actually looking forward to getting a squad of those plasma intercessors, bringing them both down and wrecking face in the backfield. I saw the price. It's nearly $30 a model, $84 for the full pack. And I, um, I'll wait till someone's throwing out some plasma guns, selling something on eBay or, or something else, because that's way too much for the just a three-man squad that is the models are big and they look kind of nice, but they're not. There's not, not thirty dollars each. Like, yeah. uh, I wanted this. I wanted them for my space wolves. But my space wolves is like a side sort of play army. And it's, no, <laughs> the, dark, yeah. oh, the dark vengeance. Uh, not for the, the dark imperium uh, box set. That one would end up be worth it because it ended up being a lot cheaper when you add in the price of the book itself for uh, for what was in there. I was hoping that was going to be a benchmark, but nah. Codexes are the same price. And, uh, the Marines are all going up for the slightly well, I, larger. Look, they're larger than high detail, but that should be a standard yeah. quality that is improving and not with the price uh, rocketing the way up it, the, the way it is. It's disappointing. It is, but those, those I will give those codexes have been very thick books. Like those, the Grey Knights and the yeah. Marines book. I was actually surprised at how thick that Grey Knights book was. So, oh, look, you know, at least the they're giving you something. Book. Yeah, yeah. The, the codex you're getting exactly, like, you're getting a good codex worth. It's not going up in price like the models are. The yeah. models are kind of the, well, uh, I'd buy these if they were $30 cheaper. 
Well, the Codex is our hardback, so obviously they're going to be worth a bit more on that. The hardback Codex yeah. is, I love that that's the whole shift now, like soft cover is kind of done. Um, if, you, like, if you're spending this kind of money on an actual Codex, obviously hardback is what you want because <laughs> it's going to last a lot longer. Um, but in saying that, when uh, in Australia, I remember all those years ago where the Land Raiders pumped up to $110 and everyone was like, really? Really? Like, I understand it's a lifestyle hobby game, um, and, you know, if you can afford it, you can afford it. If you can't, well, then play something else. But, wow, like, wow. Like, 60 bucks wow, for a Primaris Chaplain. Have, yeah, having seen how much the, it costs them to actually make this stuff and produce and getting it out, I know for a fact if they hadn't decided their brand was so expensive, they could very much put it out for a third less. They, I honestly believe they'd make more money on frequency of sales. Yep. Uh, but no, they they do all this stuff to push the price up and and try and push up them being this high quality thing. And I, I I'm just not going to buy anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's it's that, and they're the pricing based on the capability of the model in the game, and that really annoys me. Yes, that is a thing. Um, I've actually something I was looking at previously is uh the the rule set seemed to be subtly pushing towards having bigger, more expensive models. The biggest way I'm seeing that is anti-infantry weapons, by and large, they're very cheap. They're in the down, like below 10, somewhere to 15 points. And the moment something's effective, effective at being anti-vehicle, the points rocket skyrocket uh, being much higher. Now, this has obviously always been the case. It actually is, ends up being quite expensive to try and get some uh, anti-armor out on the field. And you need to pay a lot more points if you want to damage a vehicle. And the vehicle itself points is a bit easier. You can quite easily buy weapons to chew through an infantry army you know for eight points for a hurricane bolter yeah and then when you start start extrapolating that out to the cost of the model itself as well mm -hmm. like like you're setting two price points like one is the yeah, games, bigger models the up. game's economy and one's the world's economy and it's kind of yeah we play to yeah, escape it's it's the same story <laughs> unfortunately yeah, look, I mean, like, I, I, I haven't seen the inside of a Primaris Chaplain or Primaris Apothecary or a Primaris Captain, but there's got to be the same amount of plastic as a as a Chaos Space Marines Terminator Lord, and the price for a Terminator Lord is, is not even 40 bucks. So, oh, yeah. Um, like, yeah, it... It's a big thing I noticed recently when there was someone who's been producing a bunch of models. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what their, their company's name was. They're in Russia. Producing models for about 30 bucks. I went and got myself a uh, special name character captain, a Gabriel Angelos model. But, uh, three days later, Forgeor came out. They'd released a model as well. The model was maybe as good. It actually looks a tiny bit worse. I prefer the model that I purchased from overseas. Uh, obviously, you can't use it in any major major tournaments and games workshop, but it's pretty. It's a character that I wanted, and it's better than I could customize. $27, the games workshop released their one. It was about $84. Yeah, yeah. that's like Wargame yeah, exclusive and those sort of guys that do these special models. They're you know, high-quality resin casts for, as you said, 27 bucks for a character, and it's just, I don't know. It's, 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 I can accept that value. It's actually quite yeah. reasonable. And Games Workshop is mass-producing their stuff. They should quite happily be able to get down a lower price and still be able to push a profit on it. But hey, look, I got free rules for the character I bought, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, and like, like 
One thing as well is I know I, I have talked personally to some of the GWS guys and I know that they're working hard to make sure the price point is something that, that Australians are willing to pay because it's obviously there's there, when you start adding in from manufacturing to distribution to shipping, like realistically it looks like stuff goes from China to the UK, then from the UK to Australia. It's all kind of backwards as well. Um, but yeah. that, that all adds up to, to the final price. So I, 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 have, ha- I have talked to – from the guys that I've talked to within GW, I understand that, that, that there are there are people pushing to make sure that Australia isn't priced out of the market. Um, but, oh, man, like like – this is, I, I dare say, we're sitting at the limits. Um, yeah. I mean... Because uh, they, they've well, yeah, got like, a good marketing team. I was very close to buying a lot of those Primaris models, but yeah, yeah they that, pulled it away. Well, it, it, is, it is worrying when some of the biggest suppliers in Australia for minis and stuff are dropping Games Workshop models. But I don't know. I oh, hope yeah, it stays around. Love the game. So We'll have a look at another time. We might even talk to the guys, see if they're keen to have a chat about it. Um, nice. But yeah, we'll um, we'll we'll definitely cover that in the future about about how this is moving forward and and what games are coming out in the future. But yeah, I guess that's that's kind of sorry to leave that one on a downer, but that that's where we got to no. got to end uh, our chat about forty k um, in all the new stuff that's come out. We'll we'll see what happens over the next six months with obviously with all the new codexes are dropping. Like one thing I've noticed personally when it comes to the pricing structure, um, we found it so easy to to sell parts of like to, to sell parts of the 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 new eighth edition stuff um back on release like the indexes were easy the rule book was quite easy to, to try and get people into but the I, rules are going good yeah i, I keep I'm, playing the game with my old armies yeah the but, game has so much interest floating around on it which mm-hmm. absolutely and i've i've got several people that are that uh that i've been teaching how to play or been asking me to how to play and I've, I've been setting up times with them in the store uh but for me that one thing is is i'm finding it really hard to to get people to say yes to to the newer stuff because of the price point yeah so, and on that note just taking the shout out some of the people with all of the people particularly in today's big game I'm loving the community of players down at Vault. They're just they're playing for fun. They're all you know competent. You can have a nice, challenging game, but at the end of the day, they're there to have a good time, and they're not trying to rules lawyer their way through anything. Or then that old problem you used to have playing at Games Workshop. They're fun people to play with, and that's that's what's bringing me back into it. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. So if you're listening <laughs> and you're based in Brisbane and you want to come play some games, definitely come on down to Vault Games on a Sunday. That's where we run our mini madness. But we've usually got people in there. Um, some guys come through on a Thursday to chill and play some games. Uh, and uh, we're always there, happy to chat and um, show you guys how to play. So if you're keen, come on down. So moving on from all the new goodies and the the downside of pricing there with 40k, we're going to be looking at some of the other stuff uh, in the world of crowdfunding. Um, so we've taken the time over the last month, all three of us have, have, have found a, a project that we've, we've joined or looked at and loved and want to share with you guys. Uh, so we're kicking off first with Jess, uh, Jess, what is the crowdfunding project through Kickstarter that you want to, you want to shout, give a shout out to? Yep. So the crowdfunding project that I'm looking at is Relic Knights by Soda Pop Miniatures. It's actually their second version of the game. So they have had a first version that's floated around for a while. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of attention, but the second version seems to be getting a lot more of attention, which is really interesting. So it's a 
uh, for lack of a better way to explain it, it's a very anime-styled board game with or tabletop miniatures game. Uh, skirmished in scale, so you've only got you know maybe seven models on a side, couple of leaders, couple of uh, random traps, maybe one guy in a big suit. Uh, then you have you're playing with cards, so you're actually playing with a deck of cards, and you need to use the coloured mana that you're drawing in the cards to play the abilities. So it's not a dice game, which is to a lot of people's preference because they hate the uh, the dice gods. The dice gods do not favour them. <laughs> so this is a little bit more strategy of what you keep in your hand, what you don't use, and that sort of stuff. Um, but for me personally, I've backed the project. I'm not going to say how much, but say too much money into it. <laughs> it's, it's always like because, that with minis, though. Oh yeah, uh, they're not they're, they're at a good price point to be honest, but. Um, I love the miniatures. They're they're really they're really anime themed. I am like a huge manga anime nerd, and I love the cleanness of the models. I love you know there's a lot of uh, cool mech suits. There's a lot of uh, you know I guess you could say pinup style girls going around, and then the guys with their big oversized swords and all that sort of fun and jazz. And I'm super looking forward to painting a clean style instead of dirty. Oh yeah. Well, I'm actually just having a, having a look through myself as well, um, and it's it's quite a, quite interesting sculpt designs. They're all kind of clean, but they're all kind of doing their own thing as well. Like some of them are really dirty. the The speed circuit guys, oh my god, they all look like absolutely over the top of anime. Yes, You've got the Star Nebula Corsairs. I'm pretty sure one of them just looks like Bastion. It looks like Guardians of the Galaxy there. Um, yep. What else is there? We've got the Radiant Cadre. Oh my god, there's there is a tiny cow. <laughs> yes, the little yes. <laughs> there, there is a lot of uh, unique sort of models in there, which is another reason why I grabbed a lot because I love the unique models. I hate the, the you know the big lines of troops that get on. Whereas this game seems like every model has some form of character to it. I just love it. You know, you get you get to put some story around them. That's cool, man. That's cool. So, so where do we go to back? You just look on Kickstarter. Are they running late pledges still? So yeah, there's late pledges. So this did finish back uh, in March, end of March, I believe it was. Uh, the first wave for the second edition is coming out, or don't quote me on this one, next month or the month after. Late pledges are still open. Uh, you can just search Relic Knights in Kickstarter and click the lovely late pledge button, or you can go to Soda Pop Miniatures. I cannot remember their website, but if you Google that one, you'll find it for sure. Cool. Relic Knights. Yeah, it looks it looks like the perfect amount of, of over the top. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, next in line. Uh, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna take hold of this one. Uh, next in line. I gotta say it. It finished up uh, just last week. A song of ice and fire by Cool Mini or Not. Um, if you haven't seen Cool Mini or Not on Kickstarter, basically they are the juggernaut of miniatures when it comes to crowdfunding. Um, these guys usually frequent like two to three million on their on their games. Um, and A Song of Ice and Fire looks to be one of their first actual, like, broad miniatures games, miniature war games. A lot of their games are self-contained, you know, like Rising Sun, Blood Rage, um, uh, Rum and Bones, Zombicide. They're all kind of contained within the one box, and you just keep playing like that, um, and you just play a game here and there. But this is, like, Warhammer Fantasy kind of, or Kings of War, like, you you set an army up. You you build an army list and, and you go at it um, on a four by four table. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to have a look at how the game is played. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was. I, I say, well, I was going to say uh, when I had a look, it makes me think a lot of uh, older editions of Warhammer Fantasy with a little bit of uh, Kings of War style stuff in there, which actually has me very interested. It's it looks all cool. looks cool. 
Yeah, I um, I was a bit iffy on it at first. I was like, oh, another cool mini or not? Here we go. Um, it's probably going to cost me way too much in shipping at the end of the campaign. Um, but I caved. Um, <laughs> it's it looks it's it looks to me from what I've seen on the gameplay videos and on the gameplay um, the gameplay explanations that they have. It's a very simple war game with this like politics over mechanic to it with um, non-playable characters being able to take certain slots um, on the, uh, I think it's on the intrigue board, I think that's what they called it, tactics board, um, where whatever tactic you take gives you certain abilities and then you can play other cards from your, from your faction to kind of line up with those to get a little bit of extra boost. Um, it's... Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, I'm actually quite looking forward to it when uh, when this one arrives, probably sometime I think mid next year, early uh, April, April next year. Yeah, they've been showing it off at Gen Con this week. Um, it looks a lot of fun. It's only House Stark, House Lannister. They unlocked a whole bunch of mercenary stuff as well. Um, so guys that play on both teams, um, I'll be interested to see some stuff. I'm. Um, Quite a big Martell fan, uh, and also a massive Targaryen fan. So I would love to have <laughs> me some Dothraki running across the uh, the battlefield. <laughs> the dragons, Rawr. Oh, Yeah, just a casual dragon. Yeah, <sighs> just a casual dragon. Yeah, if anyone's up to date, it, sorry, if anyone's it definitely up looks up, interesting. If anyone's up to date with Game of Thrones, the dragon. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if they ever put a dragon in this game, it's like your whole army is the one dragon, and you will still win. <laughs> it's been done before. <laughs> oh my god! I'm um, sorry, Jess. You were going to say? Oh, just saying the polit- politics mechanics and everything. It, it's an interesting twist. Yeah. Very interesting. So yeah, well, um, I'll definitely give it a play. I'm probably going to um, print off the print and play rules at some point in the near future and just proxy in some models um, from my vast array that I have sitting at the store, uh, and and just have a crack and see how that plays out because it's. It definitely looks like a lot of fun. And uh, a late pledge, as always, is available through Kuminionot's um, pledge manager. So just, yeah, jump on Kickstarter. You'll probably, It's not that hard. Just look for A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, it's likely the first one you'll see, probably for a very long time. Um, but, yeah, just it's the starter set. It's a single pledge of 150 bucks US. So if you're based in Australia, you're looking about 190-ish, um, which is a lot of money, which is probably why they had what looked to be like the slowest start for a cool mini or not game I've ever seen. Um, but the second they started unlocking everything, then it obviously became worth it and it just snowballed out of there. So, so yeah, well, I'll be like looking- in, sorry, you go. I was saying in their defense, they get a lot, uh, you do get a lot in that starters box. There is, there is two sizable armies and, and a lot of stuff to play with. So yeah, that's right, pretty fair. There is now. Um, <laughs> oh, even to begin with. So it's pretty good. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and finally, Dom. Dom going a little bit off the uh, the standard when it comes to mini games. It's actually looking at terrain. Yeah, I was taking a look around, and there's again not a lot of video games to draw my attention. I'm a bit uh, tunnel visioned, I'll admit. Uh, War stages, uh, the Gothic Cathedral. They went and made this uh, uh, scenery. War stages is a scenery system. They kind of seem to focus on making scenery. They've made this massive cathedral and a bunch of individual parts you can kind of assemble in your own, the own way you want. It's got this very gothic, 
heavy, almost Imperial Gothic kind of look, lots of spiky, tall towers. And the whole thing's essentially made out of cardboard uh, that you'll, you'll slot together with corners and all that, but it's all got very, very beautiful artwork printed straight on it. You don't need to play, don't, don't need to print it, you just, you assemble it, you make it into some kind of a field or a set of ruins, whatever you're after, and start playing. It's got a couple of multi-level things, and thematically it just looks very very pretty very high detail although i will admit from a previous experience with some of the more uh, gothic looking things i'm gonna stab my hand on that so much <laughs> first person to uh, die of cardboard created injuries <laughs> yep yep gonna sacrifice my blood to the uh, blood gods trying to play in this stuff but uh oh it, it just go up take a look at it they're still doing some uh late pledges uh and not too, not too badly priced. You can get yourself some very, very nice scenery that makes great uh, centerpiece-looking stuff, and uh, it looks to have gotten a pretty good backing out of this. I'll be curious to see what other kind of stuff they can start bringing out to uh, enhance the playing boards. Oh my God, I'm just it's definitely. I'm sorry. I was, I was just surprised. At, I was just looking through the um, the campaign page right now, and I've just seen the size of the extra large, uh, <laughs> the extra large cathedral is. Pretty close to a six by four table. <laughs> Bigger oh, than a six yeah. by four table. Yeah, yeah, sixty two by seventy three by sixty two inches. So yeah, seventy nine by sixty two, yeah. Definitely uh You play you can play the whole game we played today in the cathedral. In the cathedral, yeah. Yeah, make full battlefield. Look, first you'll probably split it up. I don't want to reach into buildings too much for aforementioned reasons, but no, no you can't. For that matter, i got to look at it and just know that if I had this kind of stuff, oh man, I'd use it in role-playing games, any D&D or, or any of those kind of games just for this big epic cathedral where you could have one of those nice battles where there's room for the dragon to fly around your heads. Absolutely. That looks awesome. It definitely looks amazing. It is, yeah. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's all for today's episode of Assembly Required, brought to you by Vault Games here in Brisbane, Queensland. Uh, as always, I am joined by my fellow Plastic Crack Addicted uh, hosts, Jess. Thank you. And Dom. Goodbye. And we will catch you next month for the next Assembly Required. Assembly Required.